Welcome to Beyond the Box Set, a podcast about learning to appreciate an artist's back catalog. He's Cameron DeWitt. I'm Cameron DeWitt. <laughs> and he's Nathan Hunt. I guess I'm Nathan Hunt. <laughs> I just realized in the intro we actually recorded, we didn't say the real title of the podcast. <laughs> okay. Let's never do it. <laughs> and the title of the podcast is actually Think Outside the Box Set. It's not beyond the box set, despite how pleasing that alliteration is and how much it forms a mnemonic in your mind. Yeah. Yeah. It is a better title, but it's not as good. That's a great point, Cameron. <laughs> Thank you. So, Cameron, tell me about I... this. Hello. Yes. Good evening. Cameron, tell me about this podcast. Why why did you think of this idea? Tell me about this premise. All right. So uh, originally you had an idea uh, and had a a pilot podcast where you were listening. Sorry, you were watching all of the films. Well, we were listening to them, too. And listening, watching and listening. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you're using any other senses. Um, Well, I was smelling something. That's for sure. (laughs) Okay. Something smells fishy about this <laughs> Leonard Cohen movie. Yep. Um, you're watching all Leonard Cohen's movies in a row. And, uh, wait, 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 that, wait, 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 wait. Right? Okay. Isn't that what it was? That's a goof, right? You gotta be. <laughs> it was the Cohen brothers, Joel, Ethan, and Leonard Cohen. Wait, what did I just say? Leonard Cohen? <laughs> that's not a goof. I'm sorry. I was very serious about that. That's not well, a goof. You, that's anti Semitism. Seen... <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh oh boy. We'll edit that part off out. Off to off to a great start. Um so Leonard Cohen's uh movies. Yeah, yeah. Oh, exactly, yeah. Uh super super long and rambling and uh no, uh Cohen Brothers movies. God, that really threw me off. Okay, so <laughs> you're watching all of you got a, a fancy a fancy pants word for it. Oeuvre. Oh my god, that's awful. I know it's terrible. You're it's French. You're watching. That's how bad it is. Okay. You're watching them all in order of how they were released. Uh, right. Correct. And that kind of fell through. And you're like, hey, let's do a music one. And I said, we, we were talking back and forth about which artists we could listen to album to album every week in order that they were released. And uh, we were like trying to decide. And then uh, Garth Brooks occurred to me. For these reasons. Okay. I was going to ask, uh, why is that? But you've got that covered. You don't even need me. I'll just, I'll go and have a long poop. Okay. Uh, just, just shut up and listen. So Garth Brooks, and here's why. Uh, because he's like, a, I had this vague idea that he was a huge deal. Um, but this other vague idea that no one really listens to him. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I didn't really know what to do about that nobody drives uh, in new york there's too much traffic exactly yeah um and so i thought a cool idea for a podcast would be to take artists like that who everyone knows but no one listens to um or at least maybe they appeal to really specific demographics or did a long time ago um but their cultural impact is so intense um that people just sort of take it for granted and don't actually spend the time listening to like a Garth Brooks album. Uh, so we 
I, I think the the idea being we don't necessarily want to have like a uh, a bad movie podcast style thing. Like we might not like everything that we listen to, but maybe the goal is figure out why is this such a big deal as outsiders. Um, right. And whoever we whoever we listen to has to be someone who is like widely respected mm-hmm. um, and probably like successful and that we have no idea what they're all about. Maybe if one or two songs, we should talk about who Garth is. Yeah. Uh, so he sold 160 million records worldwide. Nothing to sneeze at. He's the best selling solo artist in the States. He's the best second. Uh, he's the second best selling artist behind the Beatles. That's insane. So Garth Brooks is like one of the biggest deals ever. How come I haven't heard any of his music? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's bonkers to me. Uh, he was born in Tulsa, Oklahoma uh, to a musical family. Uh, I know in this album, uh, which is all I've listened to so far, uh, Oklahoma shows up a lot. A lot. Um, a lot. And I actually also have family in Oklahoma. So it's I don't know if they listen to Garth Brooks at all. But uh, yeah, that was interesting to like. Mm have a little bit of a cultural connection there um, or heritage. Uh, His mom was a country singer in the fifties. His family used to have weekly talent nights uh, uh, mandatory for the kids to participate. (laughs) I like that. Um, Yeah. It's a pretty good idea. sounds like uh, who's the pater familias of the Jackson family. Oh, I don't know. I don't know his name, but yeah, yeah, like (laughs) that. Hopefully hopefully there were fewer beatings and, yeah, like hopefully abuse. it wasn't as oppressive and abusive as, as that situation. Yeah. Uh, so he, Brooks learned to play guitar and banjo for that. Uh, fast forward a bunch. He graduated in 1984 Ooh. with a degree in advertising. Ooh. Yeah. So that's like <laughs> a little a little ominous. Uh, but I think Brooks it like Brothers ex- is watching. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, yeah um so i think garth brooks thing was just sort of like branding and like advertising and like doing music industry which uh is super interesting um because i think when we went into this we thought we were going to be uh exploring garth brooks the person through his like confessional songwriting or something Mm -hmm. but i think it's actually going to be more about his brand um through and professional like brand songwriting. Yeah. By other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll have to see in the future albums how much he actually writes. Anyway, so someone in the biz told him to move to Nashville, gave him some contacts. Uh, and then he released the album we're talking about today. I believe it's titled Garth Brooks. Yep. Uh, the Eponymous. Is that how you say that out loud? I believe that's, I, that's eponymous. A, yeah. God damn it. That's uh, the only word. Well, it's, it's, only, it's E Pony Mouse. E pony mouth. Uh, <laughs> I, I haven't pronounced that word. It's one of those words I only read. Right. Um, he released it in 1989, which is the year I was born. Hooray. Uh, hooray. And it was a huge success. And then, um, he went on tour for Kenny Rogers. Uh, before we talk about the album, I just want to also just like give a little idea about what else is going on in 1989. Tell me about um, 1989, Cameron, in which I uh, was two years old. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I turned. So maybe you remember a couple details. How does how does math work? One, two, 
please figure it out. No, I <laughs> right now. No, this is riveting listening. Uh, <laughs> yes. I think I turned two years old in 1989. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, so you were either one or two during uh, the following events. Yes. Uh, beginning of the end of apartheid. Berlin Wall is torn down. Uh, Tiananmen Square. Protests. Uh, here's an interest. Yeah, the, the, T, the Tiananmen moved from a circle shape to a square shape. Yeah. Circle takes a square. Yeah. The Supreme Court ruled that flag burning as a protest is protected under the First Amendment, hmm. which I think is super interesting because part of one of the things I want to like explore is I have this idea that Garth Brooks is um, responsible for fl- in, lots of flag burnings. It, no, <laughs> um, I think he's responsible for this, um, for the culture of, of modern pop country music. Mm. Um, I think he's like a big deal, like for a transition to, from classic country into modern pop country. Uh-huh. I don't necessarily, that's just like a, uh, hypothesis that i have i mm-hmm. um it has to be true right i mean he's like the it's second pronounced eponymous actually oh god <laughs> a hy- uh, i have a handle about it yeah uh this next one's interesting too uh there's a series of explosions in houston at the phillips 66 chemical complex that kills 23 employees in 1989 in 1989 mm-hmm. yeah uh ted bundy is executed by electric chair in florida um, and the U.S. government provides $150 billion bailout for saving and loan associations. So, yeah, that's everything uh, that could possibly be of importance leading up to this album. Uh, and, yeah. So, Cameron, we're going to discuss the songs in order, uh, I believe. Um, but first, I want to confront the issue as sort of a special, special little uh, uh, segment for those of us like me who have not really listened to a lot of pop country music. And let me ask the question, which addresses the largest barrier, I think, for most people to appreciate this genre. Cameron, is there a universe in which these vocals are not entirely undefensible? Indefensible? Uh, Fuck. (laughs) Indefensible. That's that's a great question. I... I'm surprised to hear you say that. I liked some of these vocals pretty well hmm. is my answer. So I guess in my paradigm, in my universe, I guess that's the case. Why was this awful the entire time for you? It It's took, mostly him singing. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, there's not a lot. I mean, I don't know if I'd say that. There's some really good instrumentation going on. Um, I I find it very, very well. It took a lot of getting used to. Let's put it that way. Um, just that kind of like very like histrionic kind of twang, lots of grace notes, like sliding all over the place. I think a lot Uh, of people are really turned off by that. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I, that seems to be the case. Um, people have a lot of like bad associations with, um, country singing. Mm -hmm. Uh, when you like listen to older country music, like, I don't feel like. Johnny Cash does that at all? No, not at all. Um, I don't think the Carter family does that at all. I don't know where it comes from. It definitely seems like a sort of affectation that's sort of projected onto the past mm-hmm. or something. 
Uh, I didn't mind it too much. Sometimes I did. Okay. There's one, there's one time in the very last song where he does a big old melisma on, uh, on the word the. So Cameron, uh, for our listeners who might not know what the, that word miasma means, uh, I mean, I def, <laughs> I definitely know what it means. <laughs> so, I mean, I, if there's anyone who knows what it means, it's, it's me. So how about uh, you define that for some of our more ignorant listeners? Yeah, so maybe this would also be a good chance to talk about we don't know anything about country music uh, or Garth Brooks, but we have like some uh, some modest authority in matters musical and lyrical and poetical, right? And, uh, and animal, vegetable and mineral. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just inherently. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I uh, got my degree in theory and composition uh, and I am a, a banjo player and I play traditional Appalachian music. So there are some maybe inroads to this music for me. Like that's maybe to some of you sounds like it's right on the money. It's actually super different, but there are some sort of connecting traditions there. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so, yeah. Also plug your other podcast. Oh yeah. I got a podcast called get up in the cool and it's a Appalachian fiddle and banjo like, uh, interview and jam podcast uh where we play music together traditional like not bluegrass pre-bluegrass music and then we talk about it uh and so it's amazing. y'all should check that out yeah it's super cool but anyway and you have uh yes i you have, have a little bit of authority uh, on on some of bit. these matters I'd, yeah. I'd say uh i got a undergrad degree in english and i got a mfa degree in creative writing i studied poetry for many many years uh, wrote some bad poems, wrote a tiny percentage of passably good poems, not doing a lot of writing these days, but I have studied it quite a bit. So I might drop some science on y'all with words like enjambment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cause that's my uh, jammment. I don't know. So melisma is a word that I know. And that means, <laughs> thanks. It is. Uh, it's when you sing, multiple notes on the same word. Uh, so later on in the dance, he goes, the dance. That's a super weak. I mean, it's, (laughs) it's, it's it's really bad writing. It's like, it's like a line break on the word. The, it's like putting way too much emphasis on a, a fucking preposition. Yeah. It's weak writing. And here's the thing. Uh, and this I think will be a theme and maybe will be a point of contention between us. I think that <laughs> uh, I think that a lot of these um, weak moments are somehow weirdly earned and kind of work in this album. And I, I, I sort of feel like that's like what Garth Brooks does is that he sells stuff mm-hmm. like he's just constantly in selling more ways than one. Yeah, Totally. He's a big old salesman. Okay. Well, that's a good segue into our first track, which is a song called Not Counting You, which, bit of trivia, is the only song on the album with Brooks as the only writer credited. I've never cried myself sleep just praying I'll get through. I've never lost a love not counting you. Not counting you. Let's ping pong here. How about you start with your thoughts about this song, then I'll respond. Next song, we'll flip it. Great, great. So uh, 
the crux of this song, the main sort of lyrical device is uh, he's he's saying that I've never had my heart broken. Never, ever. There's no exception to the rule uh, except you. Like, that's the whole thing. And like the main lyrical device is uh, I've never lost at love, not counting you, Uh, (laughs) which just sounds really, really bizarre. Uh, but yeah. it's kind of funny and I'm not sure if he intends it to be funny or not. Um, I think there's, there's some like, humor in this song. Yeah. Yeah. There's no exceptions to the rule. Not counting Obvious, the exceptions. Not counting, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's definitely some like layers of, uh, uh, parentheticals in, yeah. in here. I think a lot of these old songs, like, uh, I think the, po- they're not like a song unless there's some sort of gag or hook to mm. them. Yeah, like uh, there's a bunch of that in this album. Like the next song is the same way um, where there's some sort of like lyrical, like kind of trick to it. Um, a pun, I'd say, in the next one. Yes. But like a serious um, pun. Yes, it is a serious pun. Uh, so, yeah, this song's he's like a serial heartbreaker, gets his comeuppance. Um, there's a really strange moment. Uh, I'm just going to read this quatrain real quick. I've never got down on my knees and asked the Lord above if he would only bring me the one I'm dreaming of begging to be taken back and swearing I'll be true has never crossed my mind. Not counting you. Uh, this is like a really weird scene where I'm like very literally like imagining Garth being like, Hey, you know, I just want to like pray about, uh, that chemical plant in Houston and <laughs> Tiananmen Tim Square, Batman. Tim Burton's Batman. Uh, but also, uh, I know your normal, your normal style is like free will and all that, but could you just like make this woman, uh, not break up with me? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a really, really weird kind of moment. Yeah. The whole, the entire quatrain is phrased in the negative. I've never got down on my knees. Uh, has never crossed my mind, not counting you. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of a strange like leap of logic. He's asking us to follow. Yeah. Um, especially because asking the Lord above, if he would only bring me the one I'm dreaming of sounds very general and doesn't seem very specific to this person he's talking about. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. Like it's, it's a lot to ask of the audience, but I first time through, I knew exactly what he was saying the entire time. Yeah. me too. Um, like, uh, there's some kind of clever stuff that happens in these songs, but I, with some exceptions, I basically know what he's saying. Always. With some exceptions to the rule. You've never yeah. been Garth Brooks's fool. You've never uh, lost at <laughs> interpreting his lyrics, not counting some moments in this song. Uh, not counting. Which one was it? Uh, Alabama clay. <laughs> there's a, there's a weird moment in that. Oh, <laughs> Maybe we'll get that to it. Sounds terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I also want to say, like, I think this is some of the best instrumentation on the record. It's uh, so good. It's really, really catchy, and it sounds awesome. I love the, like, fiddle solo backed up immediately with the guitar solo. That's such a cool moment. Yeah, it everyone like really knows what they're doing from like the conception of the song to like uh, all of the instrumentation. And uh, yeah, 
and lyrically, I think it makes a weird kind of sense. So yeah, I'm, I'm kind of into it when we, when we agreed that we were going to start listening to Garth Brooks, I think we were both feeling hesitant. Mm-hmm. And then after listening to this first song, I was like, Oh yeah, this is, this is good. This is, could be actually maybe kind of fun. Like That's actually exactly. I feel like I I'm felt. uncovering a gem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I can't say that that feeling lasted through the entire album. Yeah, me neither. All right, tell me. I've got a good thing going. Explain it. Okay, so this song is an interesting uh, series of choices, and not the least of which is the pun in the title and in the chorus. Um, because it's the exact opposite of how you'd usually take this idiom. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So, you know, normally when you say you've got a good thing going, that means you have it in the process of having it. But in this case, it means it's going away. And I, I find it kind of strangely affecting this song. Yeah. Um, Especially like, I don't know the, the, the lyrical conceit of being the person who, um, is not privy to this other person's private life, but he can sort of see the warning signs um, right. that she hasn't said anything and that she hasn't actually made any moves, but he's saying that she's as good as gone. Um, it's kind of a interesting, like tragic little story. Um, and it's not even like, I mean, part of the tragedy is that it's not even anything he's doing to fuck it up or it's not that the right. relationship isn't working out. It's just that, you know, her heart's in Oklahoma. Well, yeah. actually, let me let me let me backtrack that because he also he does say by now she must be tired of always giving and tired of what she's getting in return, which I think is the I mean, that's as much as we get out of the relationship. And it sounds like he's right. not being very good to her. Right. And he also he says she's never been much good at telling lies, which maybe is I don't know what that means. Maybe she's been hiding it for a while or has lied about Mm. other stuff she tried to pull a fast one on him yeah yeah um i i've particularly thought the the second two lines of that verse um of what i the the verse i was referring to i guess oklahoma is more her style of living because i can see her heart is headed heading across a bridge i thought she'd burned i thought that was kind of a, a neat lyrical sort of twist on the uh kind of making a physical reality out of the burning bridges metaphor. Right. Or as Bill Joloff would say, metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> Cows to graze. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, I, yeah, I really like this song too. Um, uh, it's my favorite song, just like it's your favorite song, <laughs> <laughs> uh, ever. Uh, the chorus is awesome. Uh, the chord progression is like really catchy and, it uses some uh, non-diatonic chords, meaning chords outside of like the normal. So a lot of people say that country music is three chords in the truth or something. And it's totally not the truth, especially like classic country is like kind of more like similar to classic jazz. It's not going all over the place with mm-hmm. its like harmonic expectations, but it does have like a super strong like harmonic function. Uh, the chorus mm-hmm. isn't necessarily country but it has like a um, uh it has a really catch catchy uh chord on i've got a good thing go when 
and the way that it resolves on going is like really fun. Mm-hmm. I like it a lot. So Yeah, I was trying to uh, rate this on like the pander meter. Ooh, about, like introduce the pander meter. Tell us what that is. So the black and white, they're not actually bears, but <laughs> common misconception. Yeah, not bears. Yeah. Pandering in country music, uh, as I said before, um, I'm trying to like rate each song based on is this pandering or not uh so that's like kind of a hard thing to determine because there's well let's just say that like uh this scale will be like maybe one or zero to five will be like pandering let's say it's not pandering necessarily but is leaning heavily on nostalgia for a sort of idea about like rural country American living. Mm -hmm. Um, And then like, let's say that five is laying it on really thick, but not necessarily uh, um, for the sake of trying to make you feel something when there's actually nothing there. Do you know what I mean? Nope. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Can you explain that again? Okay. Okay. So like, uh, some country music that I've heard, uh, modern country music, um, it's, it's just sort of all confirmation bias. Yeah. And it's just like sort of these like trigger words, like, uh, Jesus, Jesus tractor. (laughs) (laughs) That's my favorite metal band. Jesus on a, Jesus on a tractor, alcohol, (laughs) uh, whiskey, whatever, like just these like kind of core concepts and they sort of, they trigger these like uh little responses in the listeners that are like oh yeah this music's for me oh yeah this music's for me and it's like these like little like um i don't know uh dopamine hits or something yeah Uh, but like the songs are complete nonsense and like aren't any good uh but they're like super well received okay so i'm thinking for this pander meter it could be like zero to five is like leaning heavy on uh uh appeals to nostalgia or values. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I want to say maybe six to 10, um, would be like leaning so heavy into it that it's eclipsed, uh, the actual meaning that the song could have like, uh, or she thinks my tractor is sexy. Yeah. I think that would probably be a good, a good example. Okay. I haven't listened to that song. Maybe that song's really good. I haven't listened to it in a while. You're right. You're right. I shouldn't prejudge. I yeah. haven't like actually listened to it with any seriousness. Right. It might be super clever. That's the thing. Like all of this is like us, like having hypotheses and prejudices, yep. prejudices about like this music. Uh, and we're trying to figure it out. Hopefully we can have an open mind about it. But anyway, this song, I was trying to like rate it on the pander meter. I feel like it could either be like one because there's like she wants to go back uh, to Oklahoma and leave California. Mm -hmm. You know, she's like her heart's going back there. Uh, You could also see it as like this is not pandering at all. This is not nostalgia at all because Garth in this story lives in California uh, 
and is being left by someone who wants to go backwards. Mm -hmm. Um, so like I, it could be read either way. It's not super strong, but Oklahoma does show up, um, and twice and getting tired of living in the city shows up. Um, it's not just the relationship. It's also this sort of like conflicting values. Um, um, maybe I think a lot of that is your interpretation though. It's not necessarily in the text. Uh, he does say, I guess Oklahoma is more her style of living, but that doesn't necessarily mean she's not moving back to like Tulsa or one of the bigger cities in Oklahoma, which, and, and of course, like California has some pretty oaky style places too. Like the central Valley is, that's true is, uh, quite agricultural. Um, that's true. Do you want to move on to the next song? If tomorrow never comes. That's the one. If tomorrow never comes. Will she know how much I loved her? Did I try in every way to show her every This is like the first ballad. And mm-hmm. it's like, it's a little saccharine. But I actually really appreciated it because at least in my like first few listens, uh, I didn't really see anything problematic in in the lyrics. Uh, And it's like basically so the singer, you know, the the speaker in the song is like uh, wondering if he were to die, uh, would his partner um, know how he truly felt? Um, and then he also reminisces about other people in his life dying. Did he get a chance to tell them what they meant to him? Um, and then there's, a a part at the very end that's like, so tell that someone that you love just what you're thinking of if tomorrow never comes. Um, weakest part of the so, song. Yes, but I, I understand it as like a, um, as a stable moral as a as a trope and i'm willing to forgive that kind of stuff especially because i actually really appreciate this because um i think that it subverts a lot of toxic masculinity stuff uh that like bothers me in like the male culture in america today um not being able to express yourself not being able to express gratitude Mm -hmm. um all of the he talks about wanting to take care of his partner in this, and he never once mentions like uh, material stability um, or just like providing like food or shelter or money. Mm-hmm. He's 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 constantly just being like, no, I need to like do this more important thing. I need to communicate like connection. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I was like, wow, this is actually I thought it was kind of impressive and could be like a a helpful thing. Maybe when this was released uh, for certain fans of his music uh, to hear mm-hmm. um, like to because even though it is kind of saccharine, uh, if you aren't um, <laughs> if you don't have guards up against that sort of uh, style of ballad singing uh, and uh, songwriting, mm-hmm. this might actually get you to like reassess your life and your relationships, especially your like romantic ones in your relationships with women and how you interact with them. So like, uh, yeah, hmm. I really liked this song for that reason. I wasn't uh-huh. crazy about the music, but there were some nice moments 
too. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you agree with any of that? Hmm. I, I have kind of mixed feelings about this song. Um, I appreciate the lyrics, the structure that it's doing because it avoids rhyming in lots of cases, which is kind of an interesting tactic to do. Um, many of the lines feel very long. Um, and there are, are kind of very few rhymes in this song, surprisingly. And many of them are, here's that word again, in jammed. And, right. um, in jammed is a word that we use when we study poetry to mean that a sentence or a phrase is broken across lines. I do think that it's surprisingly affecting. Uh, the one thing that I would say, the question I would raise about masculinity and toxic masculinity is, I wonder if this song is, I don't know. One interpretation you could, you could have of this song is that it's kind of possessive of this person. Um, and I think that there's no real thought given to what, uh, she might do when he dies. No thought that she might, you know, move on, find another person who could, uh, tell her the way that he feels in his heart. And in fact, like the lines is the love I gave her in the past going to be enough to last kind of leads me to believe that he doesn't really think that she should or could or will, uh, move on from his death. What do you think about that? That's an interesting way to read it. Uh, I think the generous way of interpreting that would be like, uh, does she have like the sort of moral support and love that he has to offer in order for her to like move on and be healthy? Mm-hmm. Like, I think you could read that as the exact opposite too. Um, I mean, that's a kind of dark direction to take it. Like, yeah. Uh, will I have left my mark like well, if I die? <laughs> I'm not necessarily saying that's, that it would be like the text of the song. It would be something that would be kind of inherent in the way that he's thinking about this person. I have one yeah. more thing to say about this song. Please. Uh, there's some really awkward writing that sort of makes me think of beginning writing students. Um, yeah. Like when I used to teach poetry classes, I think the worst offender is the line. My true feelings for them never were revealed. Ugh, so bad. It's so clunky and awkward. Yeah. It's very passive voice, isn't it? It's very passive voice. And it's like got this weird inverted grammar and it's just yeah. terrible. Um, now, are there are there cases when you forgive that kind of stuff if it like is just perfect musically or does that always like trigger you? <laughs> I think it always triggers me, which might not be fair. But I also do think that I don't know. The whole point of a song is finding the lyric, uh, the words that fit the music. And right. I feel like it's kind of an abnegation of half of that responsibility. If you're just going to kind of come up with <laughs> shitty words just so that it fits the music. Well, it's like, we'll come up with better words. Like I'm sure you yeah. could find something if you worked on it harder. I think that's sort of a style of songwriting, mm-hmm. uh, but it's definitely not my favorite. Some people do it really, really well. And there's some good moments mm-hmm. <laughs> of it on this. Uh, but yeah. Okay. Um, so I, I don't, I don't disagree with you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I think, I think we're going to get to an interesting, uh, moment of that in the next song. Oh yeah, dude. I'm excited yeah. to talk about this song. The door, every time that it Storm clouds roll. 
So yeah. it begins with Charlie stuck in an airport in Austin. <laughs> All the flights are delayed. And as the rain keeps filling, the memories keep calling him back to another time and place. Make sure to read all of the lyrics. Okay, yes. Back to a rainy day in Oklahoma. You want to hum as a you want to hum the background music as I go. She was working at this roadside cafe. So he 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 basically has a one night stand with a waitress at a cafe. Yeah. Um, and every time that it rains, apparently he still thinks about that. Uh, it's got some harney lyrics like it does <laughs> every time that it rains i can hear her heart calling it rains i can see that dress falling oh yeah yes <laughs> yeah they're getting it on um though i think the implication is that it was just a one night stand i don't really see anything that uh implies a that it was more like, meaningful relationship yeah, or anything. if we ever had a thing now it's over only the memory remains um in any case one late rainy night, he got a phone call and he went back to see her again. And this is my favorite line. And through the dance, we both stumbled and with the buttons, we fumbled. So we decided just to call it at friends. Back to see her again. And through the dance, we both stumbled and with the buttons, we fumbled. So we decided just to call it at friends. If we ever had. So I think that's that's the clincher for me where this song is sort of like a an interesting portrait of a personal nostalgia and it becomes a very real take on you know gather you rosebuds while you may you, you can't you can never go back to what yeah. it was. Uh you can never step in the same river twice because it wasn't raining as hard the next time and it didn't flood yep. as high. Uh, yeah. And that's an interesting line for me to call out as my favorite because I was just talking about how much I hated when people came up with bad wording to fit the music. Uh And this is not, I kind of don't really like this construction with the buttons we fumbled is pretty awkward, but I totally forgive it. Um, I mean the stumbled and fumbled and where they land in the rhythm is like, yeah, it was pretty perfect. Yeah. It's really good. Worth it. Um, Another shout out to Oklahoma. Yep. And, uh, and Boston weirdly. Yeah. Well, it's Is a there song, song called please, please come, come to, Boston. to Boston. I don't know that. That's song. a good question. Uh, I will look that up. I also yeah, felt, if you want. uh, <laughs> I mean, it's compulsive at this point for me. Okay. It's a song written by Dave Loggins. Is that Kenny Loggins's brother. <laughs> He didn't even he didn't even try for Davy Loggins. Davy, <laughs> <laughs> Davy uh, and Kenny. He's like, right. no, I'm an adult. <laughs> Are you talking about my brother Kenneth Loggins? Kenneth and David <laughs> Loggins. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, I also this song reminds me a lot of Allison by Elvis Costello. Do you know that song? Nah, I don't know that song. Okay. Not impressed. But I heard you let that little friend of mine take off your part of dress. I'm not gonna get too sentimental like those other stick of Valentines. Well, uh, the guitar work in the verses feels very similar to me, um, which is not far off considering that uh, Elvis Costello's backup band for that song was named Clover and they were a kind of a country rock band and they ended up becoming the news part of Huey Lewis and the news. Oh yeah. 
That's music trivia. Yeah. What do you think of this song? Uh, I mean, I basically like agree with everything that you say, like, um, and on the, like the cultural effect level, I was like really pleased to hear that line. Cause I was like, Oh, what a cool song. Cause now it's no longer about like living in the past, but it's about like examining yourself and just like sitting in your feelings mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of more as opposed to like idealizing, uh, an experience and objectifying a woman, you mm-hmm. know, like I thought it was pretty cool. And I was, I don't know. I was very impressed. Uh, a lot of little f- weird moments, uh, Favo Wright song. Oh, uh, right. I, that is super I play, weird. <laughs> I played, please come to Boston on the jukebox. She said, Hey, that's my favorite song. <laughs> that's what he <laughs> sings. Just a really like, unnecessary i don't affectation i don't know what that's all about uh yeah what else was interesting uh there's kind of an oh shit key change in the middle um i where, where i remember it, does that happen uh where does it happen i think it's before the second verse okay one late rainy night it goes da 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 um up like it's a very abrupt sort of uh classic abrupt key change it's fine i guess <laughs> he loves it uh yeah i like that song pretty well i think it's interesting that's your favorite one and that makes a lot of sense interesting what's your favorite one Ah, yeah. Um, Is it Alabama Clay? No. Interesting. (laughs) Uh, No, it's not. Let's talk about that. I I think I know which one's my favorite one. Uh, And I think it comes later. Okay. Okay. Let's talk about Alabama Clay, though. His neck was red as Alabama Clay But the city's Yeah. Uh, so this one is the first like real ping on the pander meter. Um, I think, uh, so basically if I can just like go through the, it's a story song. It's about a, uh, a boy growing up on a farm. Uh, and I don't know. He, as soon as he's, as soon as he's old enough, he runs away, um, and goes to live in the city. Mm hmm. And he goes to live in the city. He's working a factory job. And um, uh, but then he starts to get disillusioned with the city and starts to feel pulled back to rural Alabama living. Um, and then he, something weird happens. This is the lyric I was talking about earlier. Uh, I'll just read the quatrain. Then one day a picture came inside a letter mm-hmm. of a young girl with a baby in her arms and the words she wrote would change his life forever. So he went to raise his family on the farm. I have no idea what that is. Did he knock someone up? That's exactly the question I had. Yeah. Is that his <laughs> daughter and she, her, his daughter has a baby? Is that his girlfriend or wife that he left yeah. behind? Because if so, he hasn't been gone very long. Right. 
Yeah, I don't I don't know. Like, it's really vague, like the timeline stuff. But he he feels compelled to go live. He ha- he has a practical reason to go live back on the farm. And so he does, uh, which, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this when I actually say it that way. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I like some elements of this. Uh, so this is like, I feel like his sort of pandering because it's like, um, he feels called to go back home and like live this life that he was thought he was, you know, it was too big for, he was too big for his britches and, uh, it's too good for it. And he got bored of it, but then like it was inside him and he needed to go back and get it. Mm -hmm. I kind of like, I kind of like that. Not that like agrarian life is like, you know, uh great especially in america yeah <laughs> like it's it's kind of bad and like oppressive yeah. um but so is like uh like blue collar city life too yep um and i i like some of the imagery uh in this uh and at night he dreams of wide open spaces fresh dirt between his toes and on his hands it's not necessarily like great lyric writing but i like the like imagery pretty well um then the the main line in the chorus is his neck was red as Alabama clay. I kind of like that. What? It's pretty good, pretty good s- simile. Oh uh, my god! <laughs> well, them's fighting words. Okay, that that was like the thing that turned you off to this song. Well, it's the thing that turned me off the most. Let's put it that way. Okay. Um, I just I hate this song so much. <laughs> uh, I think it, it's really. It's it's really sad that such a good song that so skillfully deconstructed nostalgia is gives way to the very next song, which is the worst kind of weepy nostalgia. Right. Uh, this is I think this is my least favorite song on the entire album. <laughs> um, we got like it's just so it's so pandering. I don't know how you rated it on your pander meter, but daddy in the first verse the fucking tractor his daddy worked hard from sun up to sundown and the tractor rolls through the fields of green uh now a, a city's just a prison without fences is so fucking dumb and i think his neck was red as alabama clay is the worst offender the most pandering line <laughs> in the entire song because it it's it's well it's an it's a direct reference to a red being a redneck yes uh it's very it has very strong racial overtones because you can't be a redneck if your neck is brown to begin with Um, sure and it's just uh, i don't know i find it extremely off-putting and uh, makes me feel just it gives me the, the the willies okay interesting uh I don't I'm not off put by the idea of being a redneck or like, I don't know. I don't feel I, I don't feel that assaulted by this song, which Maybe, is I'm really interested that, you're, that you feel yeah, so strong. It might it. be it might be that it was a little different in 1989, but we're living in a post blue collar comedy world where redneck has become this kind of like. Right. Terrible, terrible badge of honor among people who have decided to use it as a way to give vent to their worst impulses proudly. His neck was red as Alabama clay. Um, <laughs> and 
don't know. Maybe maybe in 1989 it was still more still more pejorative and felt right a little bit more like kind of a positive reclamation. But it's hard. To yeah, say. yeah. I don't know. That'd be interesting to look up. Uh, I yeah. I kind I kind of like it. Ugh. I don't. I don't. <laughs> How can you like it? Defend yourself. Uh, I don't. I don't necessarily know. I mean, like I, I, f- I feel like you're projecting. Like I mean, you're saying this, like that you might be doing this, but I feel like you're projecting a lot of meaning onto it that isn't necessarily there uh, because of of your uh, values and your <laughs> mm. judgments, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of why I want to like not you specifically, but us, you know, like why I want to do this like uh, podcast about. Uh, why I wanted our first ones to be uh, Garth Brooks because I feel like there's this there's this whole idea that um, uh, flyover states are like the reason we're in the situation we're currently in mm-hmm. and uh, politically mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and the, that there's this sort of hillbilly problem. Uh, I recently um, had this guy on my um, a really good friend on my show um, who. Uh, on my other show, get up in the cool. And, um, he was sort of, he was saying a bunch of numbers about like who actually voted for Trump and like kind of trying to dispel some ideas about like Appalachia specifically, um, like that it's actually not as conservative or maybe not nearly as conservative as people think it is. It's also not white. Um, it's like Appalachia is extremely diverse and like, um, yeah, I think there's like a lot of, uh, I, f- I feel like, um, not that Alabama is Appalachia, but I feel like it all sort of gets lumped in like the redneck idea. Um, mm-hmm. and I think there's, I think they're sort of an easy scapegoat and an incorrect scapegoat, uh, for like a lot of problems. And maybe that is just like my prejudice. I don't know if it's prejudice, but maybe my experience I'm projecting onto this because I did, grow up in a pretty rural part of Oregon. Um, well, not the part. Well, it was in the outskirts of Eugene, which is a fairly large city, but it was a very country, small town. Sure. Um, a lot of Oregon is like that. Yeah. Very rural. And there yeah. are definitely lots of people who would get called rednecks. Um, right. Or call themselves, identify as rednecks. Yeah. And usually yeah. those people were just horrible, horrible people that <laughs> were, were not, um, not very open to other kinds of people who are different from them and we're not, uh, very kind or generous people. Um, interesting. Yeah. The kind of generous people that did live in the country cause they do exist generally didn't pride themselves on calling themselves rednecks. Right. Yeah. Um, I was, I was going to rate this as a five. Okay. That sounds yeah. about right. I think it's definitely I think, very confirmation biasy. Yes. But I feel like he tries to earn it and he tries to tell an actual story with it. Uh, uh, I don't know if I'd, I agree that he tries to earn it. Like the whole the whole plot of the song makes no sense. The farm's making really good money. And then he just got t- he gets tired of farming and goes to the city where he's not making any money in some weird like routine factory job. Right. And says that he doesn't miss the farm or the fields of green. But then he goes back for this weird, incomprehensible young girl. It's, yeah, it's just a mess. You're right. It is structurally kind of messed up. 
I think I get it what it's doing and I don't mind what it's doing overall too bad. It's okay. definitely not my favorite song. <laughs> All right. Okay. Yeah. Let's stop talking about this fucking song. I'm so tired of talking about it. Next song. Uh, this, this next song is my, my least favorite song. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. I didn't, yeah. li- I didn't mind this one too much. Um, <laughs> in fact, there are parts of it I kind of liked. This song is called Much Too Young, the parentheses, to feel this damn old. And the white line's getting longer, and the saddle's getting cold. Now I'm much too young to feel this damn old. All the cards are on the table with no ways left in the- And this song is about a, uh, a uh, rodeo cowboy who is getting older as he tours around. I guess you could say it's not his first rodeo and he goes from rodeo to rodeo doing his thing. Uh, he's lonely. There's, uh, just random women and bad booze. The only company he has is a worn out tape of Chris Ledoux, who as an interesting side note, Chris Ledoux is a, is a rodeo writer and a country music singer. And his career super took off after Garth Brooks mentioned him in this song. Whoa. Yeah, like way more than he, he used to be. Um, so this song, uh, I feel like it's pretty precedented. There's not really anything here that's untrod ground. Um, it's kind of got its its little hook, uh, like we were talking about earlier, where it has to have its little like jokey thing. Where, and this one, it's much too young to feel this damn old. Yeah. Which is kind of like a, I don't know, that's, that's again, not really untrod ground. Right. Um, but it's, it's not a bad phrase, I'd say. Um, right. Kind of a fun implementation of an idea that has powered many songs. But this is a pretty short implementation. Gets out of the way quickly. It's like less than three minutes long. And I actually... <laughs> One of the song's strengths. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it does its job and gets out of the way. And then it's yeah. over. And I, I kind of dig the music in this one. I don't know if you do, and you probably don't. But I do feel like it's very catchy especially the call and response between the vocals and the fiddle and the verses uh garth brooks will sing a line and then the fiddle will play like a a little like lilting melody and uh it's not necessarily recorded like a traditional fiddle is it sounds almost like uh more like pop violins but i do appreciate that kind of like call and response kind of structure that they have there ain't no end inside To sleep would be best But I just can't afford So tell me why it's so bad. <laughs> Here's the first note I wrote about this song. This saxophone sounds fake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I never corrected that, but obviously it's a fiddle, but it sounds so bad. It sounds like a MIDI saxophone. And Does I just it really, really sound that bad. Yeah, dude, that's that's saxophone shit. I, I mean, that fiddle. That bad. I think it sounds really bad and dumb. Okay. And like, I feel like from a production level, I feel like they were like, oh, we're the mixing choices. They were like, this is a different album than Not Counting You, and I've got a good thing going. Mm. Uh, and from, and I'm afraid that that's like what we're about to hear a lot more of. Uh, it sounded like, yeah, it sounded like it was a direct pickup or something. Either it was a direct pickup into the fiddle, uh, which I don't know if any of those sounded good. 
you know, that long ago. They're just now kind of getting better at doing them, but still professional players don't really use them. It was either that or they used like um, uh, some just really annoying compression on it or something. I don't Mm -hmm. know what it is, but it doesn't sound like a fiddle. It sounds like it's just notes. Mm -hmm. It doesn't sound like rosin or hair at all. Mm -hmm. So like uh, that was right off the bat. That's the first thing you hear in this song and i was immediately like ugh, ugh. <laughs> like just like <laughs> uh bad taste in my mouth and then my next uh note was mentions denver <laughs> Cause I was just trying to keep track of all the places. And then my next note was, I'm so bored by this song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'll just read the rest of what I wrote. Uh, I gave it a four for pander meter because I felt like it was like self pitying in this like kind of typically like masculine way. And then I wrote no redeeming qualities to this song. And then I wrote tougher Bronx. Jesus Christ. <laughs> What's wrong with tougher Bronx? Okay. So here's, this explains a lot of a lot of why maybe I didn't I didn't like the song. If I had known that he was a rodeo dude, I may have felt a little bit differently. Um, There's not a lot in the song to suggest that he is a rodeo dude. Yeah, but he does say I've got to ride in Denver tomorrow night. That makes sense. But he doesn't uh, sing it. I've got to ride in Denver tomorrow night. He says I got to ride in Denver tomorrow night, which I got right. Right. Which sounds like he could be a hitchhiker. Right. So I think it's fair to not really interpret it as a rodeo song. Yeah. But I think your case is pretty good, especially with the Chris Ledoux. And that forgives tougher Bronx. Yeah. I mean, so when I Denver didn't Bronx. think it was a, when I didn't think it was a rodeo song, I thought he was just like uh for some reason talking about like I thought he was saying the competition's getting younger, tougher Bronx, you know I can't recall. I thought he was talking about like uh, young virile men are the tougher Bronx are the tougher Bronx. Yeah. And I just was disgusted by the audacity of re- <laughs> referring to young virile men as tougher Bronx. Uh, well, maybe and, he's talking about how rough of a borough <laughs> the Bronx is in New York city. Yeah. <laughs> That's definitely what he was talking about. Totally. The rodeo scene in New York. Oh yeah. Up in the Bronx. <laughs> Uh, so that, that makes me feel a little bit better about it. Um, but I, yeah, I just mostly just like felt really bored and maybe I'm projecting a lot onto it, but it started with the not saxophone and then it's just a bunch of complaining and I had a hard time like taking this song on its own level. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I don't necessarily have like a, it was, I don't know, pretty personal. I just didn't like it. (laughs) All right. Yeah, I don't. I don't have an objective judgment of it, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this next one, though, Cowboy Bill. And the grown-ups would tell us, you boys keep your distance. That old man's just telling you lies. But to all. Cowboy Bill was a hero. Just 
this is another pretty big ping on the on the pander meter. Yep. Uh, I I rated it as a four. Um, and I don't know if I'm necessarily going to keep to that, but basically Cowboy Bill, uh, all the like boys would go to Cowboy Bill and he would tell them a bunch of stories um, while molesting them. <laughs> yeah, there is like a there's an element to the song that in, in the chorus it says um, uh, and the grownups would tell us you boys keep your distance. That old man's just telling you lies and it's a little unnerving. Like yeah. the way he phrases that, like their relationship with this old man, mm-hmm. uh, he seems like kind of dangerous, uh, especially because he's like, um, there's a pretty upsetting <laughs> part in the song where he's, uh, uh, in a he's like killing banditos. No, he's not. I guess I don't know if he actually he's he rode with the Rangers down on the Picos and he saved Pecos. the day. Pecos. Come on, man. I really don't care. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess he saved saves his captain. Yeah, he like bandi- goes and rescues him when uh, the banditos are shooting at him. He just like evacuates the captain, basically. Right. But he's also like, I don't know, part <laughs> he rode with the Rangers and they're sort of glorifying his Ranger work. Right. Yeah. And also just the name banditos just sounds to me it just sounds way too much like bad hombres oh yeah it's you know what i mean a, just like it doesn't age well it's it's like that's were a, they banditos were they yeah <laughs> i mean i feel like it's pretty precedented for, to have uh white bandits be called banditos in kind of that setting i've Wait, seen that white? done it what? you think these are you think these are white bandits i think it's not clear based on just that word i've definitely right. like seen that in western movies and tv shows like bandito is just kind of a general purpose word for bandit right maybe you're right all right I well i just i just assumed that it was like a weird like and it rescued me from the evil brown people <laughs> um or something so i don't know i was kind of triggered by that but um anyway so he tells him a bunch of stories growing up tell the boys like keep your distance uh but they totally idolize cowboy bill and um at the end they find him and he's dead (laughs) yep uh and i kind of like that part actually um because it's kind of horrifying uh and we cried when we found him lying there with his memories the old trunk wide open things scattered about and he was clutching a bag it said uh, Texas Ranger. <laughs> what did I say? It sounded like he said bag. He said a tote bag. He had a commemorative my... tote bag from the Texas Rangers. He's, he's clutching his swag. <laughs> his swag bag. <laughs> uh, the way he, and then and an old yeller letter that says Texas is proud. Okay, so speaking of says, pander meter, yeller? Yeah. Oh my God. He says yeller and. He says Texas. The way he says Texas uh, is super funny. Uh, I, I kind of like that. How defiant yeah. he is. It's like we showed those parents. Yeah. <laughs> and in old yellow letter, said Texas is proud. And the- uh, yeah. 
And then there's like the well, now they're all saying Cowboy Bill was a hero. I don't know why now everyone thinks that he was actually a hero, I guess, because of his badge. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, I wasn't super into the music of this one, uh, but I was kind of amused by it. Mm-hmm. As, uh, this song was amusing to me. Um, it was definitely like higher on the higher on the pander meter. You know, it's like nostalgia, Western fantasy, redemptive violence against banditos. Uh, yeah, I don't have strong feelings about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a which, little, which is the case for like a lot of the later half of this album. Yeah, so. I was actually going to say that this is one of those kind of mushy slow tempo ballads that make up so much of the back half of this album. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's painful. Like the first time or two I listened to this album, I was surprised at how much I liked it or tolerated it. Um, and well, I'm going to part the kimono here a little bit and say that please do. Yes. (laughs) We've been preparing to record this first episode for like two or three months now. It's been a long time. And Cameron kept having audio issues with Skype because Skype is amazing. Um, and so I ended up listening thanks to Thanks for hosting album. us, Skype. Yeah, thanks, Skype. <laughs> this episode is sponsored by Skype. Go to Skype.com to get, uh, get your shit get your all Skype fucked on. up. <laughs> get your Skype on. Um, yeah, but the more I listen to this album, and I listened to it quite a bit um, over the last couple of months, I just kept like dreading coming back to it. And I think a lot of that has to do with the second half of the album is just so draggy and low energy and kind of these mushy ballads. Yeah. And this is one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then last thing I have to say about this song is, uh, I, I know it's like a way to introduce it into the lyrics, but I do think it's a little too neat that he dies with the badge in his hands and the letter right there. Like, uh, uh-huh. <laughs> Did he just get a sudden aneurysm while he was stroking his <laughs> memories, so to speak? Like, that's just, I don't know. Sure. Yeah. I agree. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Next <laughs> yeah. song. Un- underwhelming. Underwhelming. Next song, I don't think you could say that about. Uh, I'm going to guess that this is your favorite song on the album. I think it is. Yeah. It's, it's sort of the least <sighs> substantial but I think it's the most fun and it's the probably, I think, the best songwriting. Okay, yeah. So this song is called Nobody Gets Off in This Town. Greyhound stops and somebody gets on, but nobody gets off in this town. Nobody gets off in this town. Old folks around here wear a frown. Now let me see. And again, there's a little pun in the title because I think that he's slyly insinuating that nobody gets off as in nobody is <laughs> getting <laughs> off. Uh, uh, so it's just a, it's slower. <laughs> nobody this song's too fast. <laughs> gets off. Um, this song is just basically describing a town. That's kind of a, a podunk little nothing fly shit on a map. Um, and he just talks, he has all these cute little lines about like, uh, the Greyhound stops, somebody gets on, but nobody gets off in this town. Old folks here around here wear a frown. It's a one dog town and he's old and mean. There's just like a lot of like kind of fun little clever lyrics. Yeah. Um it's a super plunky, like Randy Newman style song, which is really great. Yeah. Um, but I almost feel like this song it does not qualify to be anyone's favorite album on this or song on this album. 
it's not on this album. It's not. It's from a completely different artist on a totally different album. Yeah. Yeah. This is does not sound like. It doesn't sound like country music, even really. Um, it's more honky tonk, I guess. Yeah. Which I, guess, I don't. Does honky tonk count as like a subgenre of country music, or is it separate genre? I don't. I don't really know. I mean, it's. It really does sound like a Randy Newman, like you know, piano pop. Nobody gets off in this town. Trains don't even. Yeah, this sucks. Super fun. <laughs> Music's the music's awesome. This, it has the most key changes, and they're always great. It's sort of uh, a reverse Hotel California. That's mm. what I wrote. Explain that. Uh, it's just like. I mean, I mean that on a very surface level, like uh, there's all these moments where there's one stoplight, but it's always green. Uh, there's no connections. Um, he He's not saying that he like, I don't think he says that he can get that he can't leave. He's just saying that no one wants to come here. Uh, yeah, he never says that he's trapped, I don't think. I don't he, think so. It just that yeah. nobody does leave or nobody or sorry, nobody comes. <laughs> nobody gets off in this town. Nobody gets off in this town. Yeah. Um the cars and their dreams are all starting to rest. The high school dances are always a bust. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> uh I mean he he definitely like has thematic uh structures to the each verse there's the a verse about the high school students uh there's a verse about transportation there's a verse about the old people and sort of general scenery utility bills the only thing that gets high that's cute yeah (laughs) yeah it's good uh i also liked nobody gets off in this square old merry-go-round oh that was my favorite line yeah especially the way he sings it nobody gets off that's like the closest moment that this album gets to like actual like poetic writing Mm -hmm. like a not straight up simile yeah that's definitely true yeah it's just like oh that's like a sort of insightfully creative way of saying that that isn't like explicit Mm -hmm. uh yeah and that's why it this doesn't belong on this album (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's there's yeah there's like no no story to it it's just sort of just all a bunch of gags and goofs and and fun and uh yeah it's also like musically like the piano actually sounds good in it uh and it's recorded in a less poppy way. And yeah, it yeah. sounds better. So I I gave it I gave it a negative one on the pander meter. Does not idolize real <laughs> life. <laughs> Does not at all. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's it's not I wouldn't say that it's necessarily super, super negative. I think it's kind of a an affectionate take. Yeah. On the it's sound. Tongue in cheek and fun. Yeah. 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 Okay. Next song. Uh so yeah, this one's a real bummer. This song is called I Know One. After the way you've done And how many fools would have you I 
and it's written um, from the point of view of a man who's looking at a, I guess it would be a woman. Um, <laughs> it's addressed to you, and it's so heteronormative. <laughs> <laughs> That's I said I was guessing. I didn't say it had to be. Not You're right. That's my guess too. Yeah, yeah it's my supposition. Um, basically saying that you know when everyone else has deserted you, how about me? Uh, maybe I'll be around. Yeah. And the central lyrical conceit of the song is how many fools would have you? I know one. Yeah. My, my friend, Greg. Yeah. <laughs> Greg's a fool. Yeah. He'd be dumb enough to have you. Yeah. Fuck that guy. <laughs> He's so you guys stupid. deserve each other. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So this song uh is is a real bummer and it's yucky and it's super patronizing. Why is it and so bummer and yucky? I feel like he's it's it's kind of like the equivalent of today's sort of like friend zone bro kind of attitude. Like he's like, Oh, I'm just here to like pick up the pieces and like you'll eventually figure it out that like I was the one that was here all along and I'll actually treat you right. And all of those other guys are jerks. And, uh, like just this idea that this, like the object of his affection is not self-aware and isn't making sort of like empowered decisions. And, uh, if she would just like finally realize that he's like, you know, uh, actually the one for her but she won't recognize in that way and this is like this sort of entitlement uh and self-pitying that's super self-indulgent it actually really reminds me of this song uh in a way you know the song uh the grenade song by bruno mars i don't know what it's called no but it's like it's like i would catch a grenade for you <laughs> and it's like basically all the like grisly ways that he would like die for this uh for this object of his affection but she but then that she wouldn't do the same thing in return it's like a i don't it's it gross yeah and this one's not that bad but it's like yeah (laughs) it's it's i feel like the the problem with it is that he's sort of saying that i may be a fool but at least i know i'm a fool Mm -hmm. and like he's sort of comparing you know, his foolishness and love to her foolishness and love. And I feel like it's kind of saying that his is better mm-hmm. uh, because he can like acknowledge it. And I don't think that it is. <laughs> <laughs> so that being said, it's also like a pretty like standard old country song. Like it feels like it could have been written a long time ago, mm-hmm. more or less, maybe not the, arrangement and production but like the lyrical content and like yeah it's fine whatever yeah. uh but i think it's kind of gross i completely agree yeah yeah <laughs> i it's it's really trying to be a sweet song and that's and i think that's how it might have been written especially if it had been an older song and i think brooks is really trying to deliver it that way but like you said it's pretty gross and it there are parts of it that are vaguely threatening like who will be around to want you? Yeah. Who will be around to want you when all your loves have gone? 
Ugh, like, whoa, Jesus. Uh, it feels like a little bit of slut shaming going on. There's yeah, that line yeah. where he's like, if you need a fool to forgive you, like she's, she's going to need somebody to forgive her. Oh my God. Like running around with all these, you know, loves and friends and stuff like dude. Yeah. It's, it's makes me feel icky, which is, yeah, which is funny because that's not the initial reaction I had to it. Um, I was just kind of like, Oh, this is a sort of run of the mill standard country song. Um, and it wasn't until I looked at it a little bit more in depth that I kind of realized how gross it is. Yeah. Uh, Jack, Jack Clement wrote it and he's, it's the only song that he has. I think any, I think it's the only one that he's on Mm -hmm. as a writing credit. And I hope we don't have to hear any more of his songs. It was a real bummer. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He's been writing since the fifties. So I guess he is kind of old school country. Yeah. And all that being said, it's just still like underwhelming, even though it was gross. I didn't, I didn't feel that much about this. I was bored. Mm. Like, a lot of the other ones. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Next song okay. is called The Dance, which I think is certainly Brooks's largest hit from this album, but maybe from his entire career. Yeah, I think you might be right. Uh, it's definitely his most played song on Spotify. Our lives are better left in I could have missed the pain, but I'd have had to and this one is it's a really odd duck of a song um i didn't really like it initially uh because i feel like it's it's just so mushy and formless um like the melody doesn't seem well in the verses at least the the choruses are a little bit better but the melody felt like very wandering and not very compelling or catchy or memorable. Um, like I said, I was saying earlier, it's pretty weak to put all the weight of the song on the word the. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I do think the chorus is by far the best part of this song, uh, despite the, the, there's some interesting like half rhymes going on. Um, like what's the one I was looking at the way it would all end. And I could have missed the pain are sort of set up as rhymes with each other, which is kind of an interesting thing. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Oh, I guess I should explain what the, the conceit of the song is. Uh, he's looking back on his memories again. Um, and he's talking to, got to stop that. <laughs> he's got to stop doing that. He's talking to a you, which I assume is a woman that he was with. It's me. Oh, it's you. <laughs> Oh, twist. Oh. At the very so end. <laughs> he was singing to an infant when he wrote this? He was reflecting <laughs> back on this zero-year-old boy he had just met? Yeah. Um. So he's he's remembering a dance that he had had with this person, neath uh, the stars above, when all the world was right. And then the very next line is that, how could I have known that you'd ever say goodbye? And the chorus is, is really interesting, especially for a country song. Um. It's I think this is the first hint of him not being a country artist anymore. Mm, interesting. Like the first big like, oh, this is a pop song. I don't like even the, know if this feels like it is at home in a pop song because what he's actually saying is uh, well, the, the lyrics go. I'm now I'm glad I didn't know the way it would all end, the way it all would go. 
our lives are better left to chance. I could have missed the pain, but I'd have had to miss the dance, which I, I really wonder how many of his fans would be on board with this universe that this song plays takes place in where there's no God or destiny to oversee our random senseless lives. Uh, I think Sartre actually wrote, this is based on a poem by Sartre, I think. <laughs> uh, so I was pretty triggered in a personal way right off the bat by this song because it is a Christian pop song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, some of the music that, definitely is. Yeah. The, the piano, the piano uh, music at the very beginning is just like, uh, very um, K-Love uh, <laughs> but yeah I I don't know I was kind of underwhelmed by the song too um, I like the melody of the chorus and actually I like the way that he sings in this song a lot hmm. um, he especially in the chorus I don't think he countrifies it too much rightfully so yeah and I think he's actually the way he sings um our lives are better left to chance. Uh, I kind of like it. I think it's kind of sweet. Uh, and then the way he sings the, he kind of pulls it off. <laughs> like, I kind of I don't mind. Uh, and the sentiment of the song, uh, glad I didn't know. Uh, you know, at first when I listened to it, I was like, is this like an emphasis on sort of vulnerability and growing and changing and let yourself letting yourself feel pain. And I don't know, <laughs> the more I listen to it, the more I kind of don't care. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I, I don't know if what the sentiment of this song is and uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Well, I th I think the entire <laughs> song is the chorus. Like the rest of it is just a little bit of supporting background. Right. And he's saying that, I guess he's saying that, uh, he would not have chosen to do this if he had known, but it's right. better this way uh, when it's done by chance. Um, but he doesn't really say like why he doesn't say that it's worth it. He yeah. just says that he would have had to miss the dance, but even though, even that, but even despite that, he says he would not have chosen to go this way. Right. <laughs> Which it's, yeah, it's a little unclear, but it feels very like, I don't know grasping towards existentialism which is an interesting interesting direction for a country song yeah yeah i sort of feel like he's i don't know if the the thing is people listening to this song i like i think people play this at weddings a lot yes yes in fact i was going to tell the story that uh justin mcelroy <laughs> has has mentioned a few times that the dj at his wedding chose this as the song for the first dance. Yeah. And of course, like Justin went up and like, it's like, knock it off. Don't do that. You stupid idiot. Yeah. <laughs> Why the fuck would you play this at a wedding? Yeah. It's uh, I don't think people like listen to the words of this song at all. Like, yeah. And I don't, I think people like misconstrue it a lot, probably in a, similar way to like hallelujah or something. Right. I think people sort of get swept up in the, the, in a couple lyrics, but mostly just sort of the like emotional tone of the song. And, uh, that would be my guess is that people don't actually really listen to this song or think about it. Yeah. 
So out of the Garth Brooks albums we've listened to so far, which is just this one, yep. how is it the best or worst or somewhere in the middle? It's somewhere in the middle. <laughs> and it's the best and the worst. <laughs> it's all three. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so I was hoping that as we continue to listen, we'll decide whether the next one is better or worse. And we'll have sort of like a, de- a definitive rating s- system. Objective. Yes. And then we'll make a BuzzFeed article, I oh, guess. God. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Okay. Um, we're running pretty long, but I'll do, I'll do a little bit of, a little bit of these next segments. Yeah. Uh, Let's go to the Amazon to look at one star reviews on Amazon for this album. (laughs) Great. Uh, pen name writes title, Tina Stellman. The text of the review (laughs) says the CD didn't have the song I needed. Be careful what you get. I think it was okay. Be looking again. (laughs) Yep. Okay. Uh, it's not as it's not as interesting as this one where Michelle writes non-working disc. This disc won't play at all. When looking at the disc, it doesn't look like as it's even been recorded on. This purchase was a complete ripoff. <laughs> Let's do a few little song meanies uh, to okay. look at some of the interesting comments you might find on the song meanings service. All right. So for the song "Much Too Young to Feel This Damn Old." Pooh Blue Sky writes, I know I'm no cowboy or anything, but I just love this song. There's just something about it that makes me shake my head to it. Uh, that's a pretty profound insight. Right? That's basically what you said. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. Um, uh, I think that was, at the time, I think that was the single. Oh, really? This, yeah. Oh. Like, I looked up some videos and In like, that's the one. No, I I mean, when this was released. <laughs> oh, okay. Like, that's the one I think he was, like, playing on Letterman and stuff. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I'll do one more. Okay. By Kitten13 about the song, If Tomorrow Never Comes. Kitten13 writes, This song will always be remembered as the what-if song for me. What if tomorrow never came for me? Would my crush know how much I fought myself to not get fidgety in front of him? Would he even return uh- my feelings? <laughs> This is one of those songs that makes you think about what you would do if something happened to you and you never got the chance to say something important. For instance, my grandfather died in the hospital while I was at at school. I never got to say goodbye or say how much I loved him. Does he know I care? Does he know how much I miss him? (laughs) This is just one of those songs. It can't be explained. Uh, I, yeah, I can't tell if this, if this person accepted it, interacted with the song in the way that I, that I hoped people would. Well, have you ever thought about what if her crush would know how much she fought herself to not get fidgety in front of him? Did you ever think of that? Huh? Yeah, he'd probably be like, he'd probably be like, (laughs) too fidgety. Next. (laughs) Bring in the next girl. What if, what if he never got the chance to just not care at all? (laughs) (laughs) What if tomorrow never comes and he never had a chance to be apathetic? Just to like not care specifically about me as opposed to implicitly not care about me. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Oh my Uh, God. Okay. Sorry. I have to read at least one more. All right. Oh Jesus. Okay. This will be the ender. This is a comment on the song dance. Mushi Mushi writes, okay, this doesn't make me cry. Not any single time. Maybe you're just depressed. I think he's responding to a different commenter. Hey. This song is about doing it on a beach and rocks get in you know where. 
Yeah, you know the feeling. But knowing that how much it meant makes the rock hard feeling go away. That's what happens when two people dance. Rocks get in the way. Well, my rock hard feeling definitely went away. Uh, yeah, that... Uh... <laughs> yeah, I. that's not a horny song. <laughs> I mean, I can't believe we missed that it's about doing it on a beach and rocks getting you know where. I can't believe we yeah. missed that. Right in that butt. <laughs> <laughs> Between your toes, right? That's what I, Wait, what? In your mouth. <laughs> oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Let's end there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do you, where do you think this is going to go in our journey through Garth Brooks albums? Do you think it's going to get better? Do you think it's going to get worse? Uh, oof. Um, I definitely think it's going to get more poppy because Wikipedia I think it's, does say that this I, song is the, the only one of his albums that has a trad country style. Yeah. I think it's going to get way less country. Yeah. Which means I think I'm going to like it less cool i don't know yeah i've at least heard the first song of the next album which was kind of cheesy but kind of fun i don't know uh, is that the thunder yeah. one thunder rolls yeah <laughs> yeah kind of cheesy kind of fun yeah. i'm what i'm worried about most is that i'm just going to like uh care less and less and less um so i hope to be proven wrong uh because there's some really awesome moments on this album and uh some really clever moments and there's some moments that I really liked, but the, <laughs> there's some, I also just had some really big size when listening to this, yeah. like today earlier, I was like, ah, I don't, I don't want to listen to cowboy bill again. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's worth pointing out that Garth Brooks is not Garth Brooks at this point. He's not like his super famous best selling right. self. So, right. I think yeah, we, his next album is actually his best-selling album. It's like gone pl- diamond like multiple times, which is crazy. Yeah. Well, we we will see. We will see. All right. Yeah. Get well, to the bottom of this. Yep. We have to have some sort of sign off. We'll we put do. In post. Uh, like like a little like a little catchphrase. And don't forget to not get rocks in your butt. <laughs> this is Nathan Hunt signing off. Uh, okay, bye guys. <laughs> <laughs>